In Your Money Today, Carolyn Wright takes a look at whether decentralised finance and how it can work institutionally. Good morning, Carolyn. Good morning. In Your Money Today, we're going to take a dive into the world of DeFi, looking in particular at how institutions are embracing it, or not, as the case may be. I'm joined by Yu Xin Chua, who is CTO and co-founder of Cake Group, to find out more. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me, Carolyn. Let's kick off with an, a bit of an explainer. Tell us a little bit about Cake Group and your involvement in the DeFi space. Cake Group started in uh, 2019 with the goal of creating a very simple and transparent way for retail users to manage their crypto portfolio and to generate cash flow. Because of this offering that we have, we're getting a lot of inquiries from institutions to say, can they also get participate in this thing? So for Levain, that's our institutional offering, but we're creating a sort of similar solution where institutions actually get to control their own crypto, they get to manage their own uh, keys, they get to manage their own storage, they get to manage their own cash flow in a way that they know for sure that it's probably secure that institutions actually control the cryptos. And at the same time, you get to generate yield, you get to do all the DeFi stuff that retail users are enjoying without sacrificing any of your policy or securities and all that. Let's also get back to basics on DeFi. For anyone who isn't actually familiar with it, can you explain exactly what it is? DeFi stands for decentralized finance. I think this term came around 2018, late 2018, early 2019. DeFi uses the decentralized and trusted nature of blockchain and smart contracts to allow trades and lending, borrowing, derivative, uh, leveraging and all that to happen in a way that there's no third party involved, which means that as a participants in DeFi trade, you do not have to pay any third party for all of that transaction. And all of that is protected by collaterals, by smart contracts with rules that are really, really clear on how to handle defaults, how to handle interest payments and all of that. It's very clear. So there's a lot of upside to that because Firstly, it's cheaper, it's more efficient, it's more transparent. There's no third party involved. And this is the thing where a lot of retail users have been enjoying it for the last four years now. But for institutional users, it's something that's new and uh, a lot of institutions want to get into the space. But it is hard because blockchain is designed for retail. And institutions, if you want to get into that space, from what I see is that some of the companies are taking a more lighter approach where Let's make that trade, but we have to trust a couple of key individuals in the company because blockchain doesn't allow institutional usage that easily. You're saying that institutions are sort of getting into this. What sort of questions are they asking you about how they can get over those challenges you just mentioned? That's a really good question. Institutions, they see all this benefit about DeFi. I think a lot of them really know about DeFi very deeply. So as we talk to our potential clients and our clients and referrals, it's something that we do see that institutions actually know about DeFi quite a lot. So it's not something that we have to educate them about DeFi. What we have to talk to them about is things like, how can we do this without having to trust like one or two individuals in a company with this huge amount of sum that could be coming from our shareholders or our fund investors and all that, because it's a major risk for companies to do that. So what we have to then educate them about is to allow all these solutions in a way that it's very safe, very provable, that you actually control all this as an institution without having to compromise any of the security at all. For institutions, like blockchain is designed for retail from the start. Like you can do all these trades 
as an individual easily you just have to install like metamask and those wallets that you use on your phone and you can just do that straight on your own without having to entrust any third party but for institution in order for you to do that usually you're going to have to entrust a couple of individuals and you have to take a compromise on that so it is all about adapting the technology from something that is very traditionally retail into allowing institutions and providing that sort of provability of what's where and who's moving what and where. Exactly, you put it perfectly, Carolyn. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about that. We talked about the technology quite a bit there. Let's talk about where we stand in terms of regulation, because that is something that keeps on coming up ar- around this space. So, how well are regulators doing at protecting in- investors? Do they need to do more? What are your thoughts on that? If you take a step back about why crypto or why blockchain was invented in the first place, it's designed precisely to allow individuals or any party to control their own finance without having to rely on any third party or relying on any like laws or, or regulations to kind of give that protection. But what we've also seen as well is that there are issues with smart contracts, there are issues with... Um, a rock pool, basically, um, like schemes that are designed to scam, outright scam some of the, uh, the, the uh, crypto users for, from their funds. So therefore, regulators try to step in to kind of offer that protection a little bit more. But what we've also seen gradually, especially lately, uh, in the United States, for instance, is that it's becoming more and more beyond just consumer protection and becoming more and more, uh, unfriendly towards crypto that the regulators trying to shut down some of the crypto companies even though they're in uh they're doing things right they're trying to make sure that their users are protected and all of that uh, but it's getting harder and harder to to run a crypto company uh in, in the general sense but what we've also seen as well uh, in hong kong is that it's becoming more and more open as a crypto hub especially in asia uh this is despite all that uh, what's happening in the world especially in the west where it's getting uh, harder to run now and with all this climate with all this Insta, like like we see in the space right now, it's precisely why Levine is so important and so it's so key, especially right now, where if you want to start a, a crypto fund or a crypto co- company, firstly, you want to know that you actually control crypto because it's not precisely for that. You don't have to trust anyone for that. So you want to use a solution that you know that even the regulators, even anyone have no access to your fund through any means by, by force or or any means at all, because you actually control that. Because uh, that's that's how, what crypto is all about. So this is why, uh, like for regulations, it's getting it. it at one side, we're seeing we're seeing tightening up. At one side, we're seeing opening up on, especially in Hong Kong. Uh, so we're, we're we're right here in Singapore. So we're also kind of like in a in the middle where I think it's a great place for, especially as a tech provider. So we have that that good. Um, like um good place kind of like a switzerland for 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 asia here in singapore where we're we're not there's some changing of that that regulations here but and what we have right now it's it's very safe and we're protected by by the regulations here and uh it's very close to hong kong as well so um yeah so what we have here uh it's actually really perfect for our institutions so i think it sounds like asia is the home for DeFi to come <laughs> thank you so much for joining me today and explaining all of that that's Yuzin chua who is cto and co-founder of cake group